because we're going to be picking right back up where we left off uh, last week, which is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is where we will pick back up where we left off. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about that we were really getting into another section in chapters 10, 11, and 12. And Paul is uh, switching gears a little bit here in these three chapters to uh, address an issue within the church of false teachers, Judaizers, uh, working their way into uh, the church there in Corinth. After he left and after establishing the church, uh, that's what was happening. These Judaizers were following around these false teachers and trying to come in and, and dismantle or to sow things into the body of Christ that was against the teachings of Christ and what Paul had been teaching them. And they were coming in and trying to contradict and discredit him and doing all kinds of things against him. So here at the end of this letter, he's coming very strongly to address that attitude and those, those, uh, those, those wicked uh, and Satan-filled people who were coming and trying to take down the, the sheep and, uh, and the believers there in Corinth. And it's nothing new under the sun, as we've learned. Even back then, it still happens today. You know, God starts a work and God's doing a work. And as soon as there seems to be a, a, an opportunity or a way, uh, wolves, false teachers, Judaizer types, uh, those who believe there needs to be more law and not just grace, and they will come in and try to capitalize. As we saw in chapter 10, uh, people were coming in and trying to uh, take advantage of, of another man's labor, another man's work. And there are some who in this world, back then and still today, there are some who are trailblazers who will go out and start a new work and, and start fresh where God is calling them to do it. And then there's those who are not trailblazers, those who are really looking into coming in to try to take advantage of what God has done through another work and trying to come in and trying to, uh, to take advantage of that. They, they, uh, they want to be a trendsetter and not a trailblazer. They want to come in and set trends and get people all hyped up around some new great thing that's happening, um, be it through music or through some, some new illumination by the Holy Spirit through the word. I saw something and I wrote a book and you should listen to me and come pay me to listen to me talk about my book of what God, I believe God showed me kind of a thing. And, but they weren't looking to, to do a, just a simple work of God. They were actually looking to do something for their own benefit. They have this new presentation, this new gospel, something that tickles people's ears, this new hip approach, an entertainment draw that, hey, you come and listen to me. I've got the answer for you to be rich and prosperous and, and, uh, and, uh, and, you, and if you would just follow me and just pay what you know just give money to me and follow my ministry you will be blessed beyond uh, your imaginations of what you can get out of God see that those people are trendsetters not trailblazers and that's what Paul was experiencing here but Paul wasn't experienced it wasn't interested in trail uh, trendsetting to draw big crowds 
He was into establishing a healthy body of believers that is based on the foundation of the word of God, and that is it. Not what the blend of the world and make you feel like you're in the world and you don't have to change, you don't have to do anything. You just come in and God is just going to bless you and give you whatever your heart's desire is. False teaching. And these people would turn people away from the gospel of God's grace. And by doing that, they would subtly introduce, as we saw in the scriptures here, they subtly introduced works righteousness. Yes, you need the grace of God, but you also need to follow the law of Moses. You need to follow these dietary rules. You must dress a certain way. You must act a certain way. You must, you know, do things a certain way. And trying to bring in and just try at the same time to be able to do that, he had, they had to discredit the leader, Paul, so that they would stop listening to him and would start listening to them. And this was happening in Corinth. In chapter 10, verse 18, we see that they were those who self-promoted, puffed themselves up, boasted in themselves and what their accomplishments. They would walk in and say, let me tell you about my ministry and let me tell you what I have done for Christ and let me tell you what I'm doing here and let me tell you what I'm doing there. And they puffed themselves up, they promote themselves, they boast themselves up so that people would start following them, the man, and not following the creator. And Paul had a problem here and, and it was causing, and he didn't choose to walk away and let the enemy get, have a hold of the people. He come boldly back, as we saw in these letters here to, to the Corinthian believers. He was coming back and he was addressing them full on. That he wasn't going to come in here and be a bragger. He wasn't going to come in and do anything other than teach the truth and address the lies that were being sown within the body. So the question is, is how does Paul deal with that? How does a minister deal within the body someone coming in, trying to discredit the leader, the minister, and at the same time sow in subtle deceits, a subtle ways, the law, you can't be saved by grace alone, in Jesus Christ alone, by faith alone. No, 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 no. You must also follow some rules and regulations. How is Paul going to address that? Because if he come in and boldly just flat out just address it, then they would say that Paul was bragging of in some form or fashion. And if he didn't do it, they'd just sit there and say, look, it, Paul's not even addressing it. He knows he's wrong and we're right. So either way, he was, he was being played trying to on either sides. And it's hard to, to address some, uh, those issues sometimes. But God in his wisdom gave exactly how Paul should address this with the believers in Corinth. How did he do it? Well, we see that God gave him wisdom and said, Paul, just show, share your heart. Share your heart. Share and show that, that you are like a spiritual father to them. That you have no other motive than is like a father wanting to, to care and to take care of their, their, his sons and daughters and to lovingly show them what the truth is. And, and share that love 
with truth, not just love, not just truth, but to share with your child, with your as a spiritual father, what it is the truth is in love. And that's how Paul took it. Remember, he even shared that the fact that he was like this father figure to them back in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. That they were these beloved spiritual children to him. And he wanted the very best for them. And that's how he was going to approach it. And we're going to see it in this chapter as well. How Paul will lovingly as a father just share the truth of what is happening. So they would realize that he's not doing it for any other reason but for them. And God and Paul gives them three evidences of his fatherly love for them. And we will see that in verses. uh, His first one is his jealousy over the church. And we're going to see that in verses 1 through 6, and also we'll see a glimpse of that in 13 through 15. But not only his jealousy over the church, but he's, we're going to see his generosity to the church, his giving heart to the church. And we're also going to see this love, this fatherly love for them, his concern for the church. And with this concern, he's not going to hold back what they need to hear. And we'll see that in verses 16 through 33. So today we're going to see a fatherly love warning to, who, to those he sees as children that God has given them. Let's see how, what God has here we have for us. So we start off here in, in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians and he says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ." For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. So we see in the very beginning, Paul's just subtly sitting here going, hey, as a father, a father has responsibilities to his children. His responsibility is to protect his children that he loves. He loves these children. He's going to protect them. That is, a, that is just what, that is what a man's going to do for his father's going to do for his children. You're going to protect them. And if you're a father of these children, not only are they going to desire to protect them, he's also going to provide for them, a provision. A father's going to provide for his children. And we're going to see that today. But also, a father is also going to go through great pain for his children. He will endure suffering beyond anything else when it comes to his children. He's going to protect them. He's going to provide for them. And he is painstakingly suffering, willing to suffer for his children. Any dad will tell you that's what they will do. And Paul is going to show that here today as well in in these verses. That as a spiritual father, he is going to protect the spiritual children that God has brought into that church. He is going to provide and show his provision for them. But he was also going to pain and suffering for them. And it's going to be very clear. 
In verse 1, he says, oh, that you would bear with me a little folly. He's, Paul is saying, this is crazy. I can't even believe I'm even writing about this. I can't believe this is even, I have to take the time to even write about this. This should not be happening. I shouldn't have to write a letter to you, you believers in Corinth, about my love and my commitment, my willingness to do what it takes to help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's folly to me. This is just foolishness that I have to take this, but I'm willing to do it. If you would just be willing to bear with me, I am willing to do it. And yes, he says, indeed, you do bear with me. He recognized that these believers were holding on to him, was willing to listen to him, was willing not to just cast him aside because some other false teachers, these Judaizers coming in, showing, sowing deceit and, and trying to divide and conquer the body. Oh, how wicked it is as a, as a parent if someone comes in and tries to start discrediting you as a parent to your children. <clears throat> oh, your parents don't love you. That's just evilness. Parents really don't care about That's just evilness. Trying to sow something into your children's minds that is, should not be true. And Paul recognized that this is just folly, but he's going to address it anyway because he understood, he knew he would one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ and said, what did you do with the people that I brought you? Did you allow these false teachers, did you allow these wolves to come in and just ravage these people? Did you not care because it really didn't matter? Oh no, Paul says, it does matter to me. They're my children. You gave them to me, and I am a standing accountable of what I did with those people that you brought me. Because it only mattered what the master of Paul's life thought when it came to his ministry. It didn't matter about anybody else. It only mattered what God thought of what he was doing with the people that God had brought him. It wasn't self-condemnation or commendation. It wasn't like we saw in chapter 10. These people were self-promoting themselves and praising themselves and getting people to praise them and, and lavish and, and recognize that there's some spiritual leader. Paul wasn't like that at all. He wasn't self-promoting. He was others-focused. He was pouring out his life for these people. Because nothing else counted. The only thing that counted in his life was the fact that he was being faithful in what God had called him to do. And that is to, to minister to the people that God had brought him to minister to. In verse 2 he says, we can see some key things where it comes from his heart. He really reveals his heart. He says, I am jealous for you. And it's a godly jealousy. It's okay to have a godly jealousy. Our God himself is jealous for you. And if you have the heart of God that what God is doing through you, you too will have godly jealousy for the things and for the people, I should say, that he brings in your life. These people were trying to draw people, trying to draw the, the sheep away from Paul. To, to taint the truth and to, to bring discredit and, and bring in doubt into what God had uh, used Paul to sow the truth. They were coming in casting doubts in there just to get him to weaken. 
We see even in 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul says, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Oh, you can heap up a lot of teachers on the website these days. You can go chase and be a guru for that teacher and that teacher and that teacher and that teacher. But are they fathers to you? Are they willing to protect you and do whatever it takes to protect you in the faith? Most teachers are just looking to get what they can get from you. They're just looking to see what they can take from you. What you can do for them. They're not at all interested in sharing and to give and to pour their life into you. So Paul's saying, if you really want a father God has brought you into and that gave that minister to use as a father figure to, to sow into you the truth of God and to protect you, that is who you should be following. Because true love is never envious. But it has a right to be jealous over those who are loved. It's like a, it's like a husband over his wife. A husband should be jealous over his wife and rightly resent or resist any rivalry. Anyone, any man coming at his wife should be very jealous and should deal with that person. A true patriot has every right to be jealous over his freedom and her freedom. Protect that freedom and will fight to protect that freedom. Because there's those who will try to take your freedom away from you. You should have a godly jealousy to protect that freedom. And just like a father or a mother, a father and mother must be jealous over his or her children and seek to protect them from anything, from anyone who would come to harm them. And that should have that, that jealousy should rage up and then do appropriately to deal with it. To protect those children. We must. Regardless of how you feel. Regardless of what they think. There are times where your children do not want to receive from you as a parent of that jealousy because that stuff that they're watching and the stuff they're hearing and the people that they want to associate are nothing but nothing but trouble to bring those children down. And God has given you as a parent the wisdom to protect them and understand and see these things that they do not see. But even though those children might want to reject you from what you have for them, you still stand boldly and do faithfully what God has called you to do as a parent. And as a minister, Paul says, I'm going to protect you because regardless you may not see this, and regardless of the understanding of these false teachers, I am going to stand strong and protect you. And I'm going to love you unconditionally. Because I love you. I don't need anything other from you. I just need to, I just want to love you because God has put a love for you. That's what Paul's saying. I have a love for you because Paul, God gave me a love for you. 
And so here Paul paints this picture of a loving father who has a daughter engaged to be married. He says, I have betrothed you. I have, back in these days, the father would arrange the marriage for, the, for their child. They would all be arranged so that it would be worked out and it would be good and it would be right. And so that he could then just so joyfully and so proudly to be able to come with his daughter and say, she's a virgin, she's, 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 she's saved herself for you, this husband. Father could protect her from any wolves that would come to take her virginity. And the father's going to protect her. And that betrothal period was a year period of time as as the husband-to-be was preparing for a place for her and for him. He was going to protect her. And during that time, that one-year betrothal period of time was required a divorce decree to even separate once they made that decision. And so the father, as Paul says, I betrothed you. I have you brought you, the, 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 the husband, the, 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 the groom, Jesus, and you as the bride I've brought together. I'm, it's like I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you pure. I want to keep you from anyone bringing these false teachings into you. I want you to stay pure. Because a time is coming when Jesus is going to come back for you. And I cannot afford, I don't want anything to happen to you. So Paul saw that it was a privilege for him and a responsibility to keep the church pure, to keep them to, from not just walking away from the solid foundations of the truths that he was teaching them. Saw that the local church was like a, pri- a bride engaged to be married to Jesus Christ. We see that in Ephesians 5.22 and Romans 7.4. That marriage will not take place. The arrangement has been made. That relationship has been established. But the actual the marriage itself will not take place until Jesus Christ has come for his bride. We see that in Revelation chapter 19 verses 1 through 9. But meanwhile, as a church body, and this means individual Christians, must keep herself pure as she prepares to meet her beloved. We must stay pure, my brothers and sisters. We can't allow false teaching to come in to your life. Because there's a consequence if you do. If you allow the worldliness to come into your life, you allow this false teachings to come into your life, there is a consequence. There is a peril that will happen. Here's a daughter engaged, this woman's engaged, and, and, and she owes her love and allegiance to the one she's going to get married to. The bride has a, a responsibility as well. To choose to keep herself pure until she is married to that husband she's betrothed to. And if she shares herself with any other man than the one she's betrothed to, she is guilty of unfaithfulness. The word that we see here 
in verse 3 when we get to that is, is simplicity. It means sincerity. A singleness of devotion. It's not a divided heart. If a woman is betrothed to this husband, she is to have one heart. One single focus. It is about him. It is not about any other man. There's a simplicity, a, a, a sincerity, a single devotion. I'm preparing myself because I'm going to get married to that man. I'm not going to allow some other man to influence me. I'm not going to allow some false teaching to come into my life. My life is devoted to Jesus Christ and him alone. And anyone who goes against Jesus, the word of God, is I want nothing to do with. Even if he's 90% right on, or 95% right on, it's the 1% that's going to kill you, that's going to cause you to be unfaithful. And that's the part you cannot compromise with. Because there is a consequence. Remember the prophet Jeremiah saw the people of Judah losing their love for God. And as a prophet, as a love for these people, he warned them. God used him to warn them. And he says, thus says the Lord, I remember you. The kindness of your youth, the, the love of your betrothal in Jeremiah 2.2. He understood, he says, the nation of Judah had lost its honeymoon love. Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I, the grace of God. Oh, look, look what he's done for my life. He's given me hope for the first time. He's given me a, a, an a, a, a promise, a future. My life has been changed. And what we must be very careful of is if we allow distractions... <coughs> or divided heart, and or start questioning the word of God. What happens is, is that these, this, these, these subtleness, these idols, these false things will come in and will, your, your, your love will start to grow cold toward your Savior. They started casting doubts into the church because they wanted to, their, their love for Paul to start grow cold. To, you know, remember, remember chapter 10? Paul, look at what he looks like. Do you really want to sit there day in and day out and listen to, to look at that guy as he teaches? Are you, really? Do you see his, did you hear his voice? Do you really want to sit there and listen to Paul's squeaky voice all the time? Do you see how he dressed? Do you, did you taste the coffee today? Did you notice what the temperature was? It was just incredible. Don't they can't even pay the bills to get some air conditioning going on? The critical spirit starts seeping in because that's how the enemy does it. Versus staying focused on the word of God and the simplicity, the sincerity of the word of God. That's what he says right here in verse 3. But I fear, I'm really, really concerned here, people. But I fear lest somehow 
as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted by the simplicity that is in, in, in Christ. Nothing new under the sun, is it? How the enemy will just use someone to come in and just, just deceive the people. To just subtly just bring it into conversation to cast doubt on what God said to you. Craftiness. And notice it. So your mind, it starts with the mind. You know, Satan's never blatant. It always starts with a simple, this little voice in your head. And it starts with the mind. Cast doubt of what God said to you. And if you're not dealt with, if you don't bring every thought under captivity as we've learned in the scripture, it will grow and grow and grow to the point where you will be deceived and you will run. You will walk away. The simplicity, how, how men can take a simple gospel and have a desire to add to it. Just a simple gospel. If Acts 16.30, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Simplicity. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting Life. Salvation is simple. One chooses to believe on Jesus Christ, choosing to believe that Jesus came, sent by God the Father, took on my sins, died in my place, and rose again. A simple gospel. The false teachers say you must also do things from the Mosaic law. Why aren't you keeping these rituals? Why aren't you praying more? Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you gone here? Why haven't you committed to this? Why aren't you a member of the church? Why why haven't you gone to this class? And why haven't you committed to this? And why aren't you giving a certain amount of money? Goes on and on and on in the church. But it cannot allow that to happen in this church. Simplicity. Sincerity. Protect yourselves. Protect your mind. Because if you do not, it will provide a way to come into your life to divide and defile your life. And it will ultimately deceive you. And once it deceives you, ultimately we see in the scripture, you become a deceiver. It grows. Because the problem we have is once you've been deceived, then you want to justify your feelings and your emotions and your decisions, and then you start finding other people who are weak so that you can also get them to come along with you. It helps you make you feel like you did the right thing. Subtle deceiving turns into becoming a deceiver. And you have to stop it when it comes into your mind. You have to stop that conversation when it starts. You must turn that off when you start finding it on the websites. 
You need to stop the book that someone re- referred to you that says, you, oh, this is a great book. You've got to read it. But all of a sudden you start reading it and you know the Holy Spirit's telling you this is not right. You sit there and go, well, let me just continue to read it to see how it gets any better. The 1% will kill you. Not only do you close that book, you go back to that sister who referred the book to you and say, this is heresy, and you please, I'm going to lovingly warn you, do not read this book and do not hand this out to anybody else. You must. If you really love them, you would. You just don't tell your children, don't do it and not give them the understanding of the truth, the foundation of why the word, that goes against the word of God. Not just because mom and dad told you so, you have to tell them, well, this is what God says, you must bring them back to a foundation that they will stand upon the rest of their life. Train them up the ways of the Lord and they shall not depart. But if you just say mom and dad says so, it's only a matter of time they will overcome you, mom and dad, and they will stop tuning you out, and they will not care, and they're going to walk away from you. They'll say, oh, I only have 10 more years, and I'm out of this house. It's the same thing within the church. Yeah, we'll just tolerate it because the kids love the kids' ministry. No. It's got to be based on the foundation of the word of God, not some program. Because not only we see very clearly who is involved with what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a person who is so savvy and so cunning and so manipulative that Satan himself is behind the peril that he's dealing with. Paul wasn't dealing with just some guys or some gals just going rogue on us in the church because their feelings got hurt. Satan was using a vessel that he could use because it was willing to be used to go in and to sow the falseness. That's what Paul is dealing with. Because we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness of this world. That's who we fight against. And so Paul understood who he was dealing with. He was dealing with Satan himself coming in. And we see that picture he gave us here in Genesis 3 with Eve and how the serpent came in and deceived Eve. And it's so subtle and so simple. He warned that Satan had several devices how he comes against believers. You remember Paul said... He can burden the conscience of your of believers who have sinned. So if you have sinned and you've slipped up, then Satan has a way to come in. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10, 11. He says, he'll come into you as a believer and say, hey, you sinned. You're done with. God can't use you. Forget it. Walk away from it all. Don't. Go, oh, you can't serve. You can't. Subtleness, how he can do that. He also, Satan, came in and blind the minds of unbelievers. We saw that in 2 Corinthians 4.4. He causes non-believers, your friends, your family, your loved ones, you've been ministering. He can blind them, to keep them the veil there to, from the hearing the truth. That's why we must pray and pray very hard that God would come in and those veils, would, that, that roadblock would be removed so when they hear the gospel, they would receive it. 
But we also see that Satan has a way of coming in and distract or corrupt the minds of the believers here in verse 3. And even afflict harm on the bodies of God's ministers in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 that we will see. He'll, Satan has no problem coming in knowing that God is going to use you and come in and physically try to take you out. Because if I can give them the, one of the worst flu cases, then he will not be able to teach the message that I have for him for the people. Oh, I will sit there and I will cause such pain and agony in their back or their foot or a car accident. You name it, Satan can come in to try to. That's why we pray every morning at 9 o'clock for the protection of all of you coming into this place and going home. To protect us, to guard us from the wolves, the false teachers, and whatever Satan's trying to do to keep you from hearing and growing in your relationship with him. We unite to pray for you. Paul unites to pray for his, these churches, as we will see, because of the love that he has for these people. But the focus that Paul brings to light here is the mind. Because Satan is a liar and tries to get us to listen to his lies and to ponder on those lies and then ultimately believe those lies because then you will not do what God wants you to do. That's what happened to Eve, right? The serpent came to Eve and he just, the first step was he questioned God's word. Are you sure God said this? Are you sure that's what the word of God says? Settled up. And then after he got the attention, then goes to the next one. Then he denied God's word. You shall not surely die. Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. That's foolish. Are you sure, Eve? That God, you're not going to die. That's the, God would not do that. And then finally, then he substitute his own lie. Oh, you'll sh you'll be like you'll like you'll be like a god. If you just do it, look how great it can be. You're you're gonna look good. You're gonna stand out. You're gonna get great things. You can have control of your life. You'll be like a god. You'll get what you want to get, and how you want it. Just. That's how he deceived Eve, and that's how Satan continues to deceive us. And we have to be careful with that. Because Satan just comes in, tries, and takes, and listens, and watches what God is doing in your life, and then he just comes in, and it becomes an imitator, just to get your focus off of Christ and on to something or someone else, and just that's how he does it. It's always subtle. Verse 4, For he, if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Oh, the challenge here. You know, Satan loves to counterfeit the gospel. We see that in Galatians 1, 6 through 12, somewhere in that area. 
He just substitute a different Savior, a different spirit. And unfortunately, Paul says, I taught you correctly. I grounded you correctly. I kept your focus on the person who is your Savior and what he has said, and I've, I've kept it pure. But you've allowed a different person to come in and sow something differently, a different spirit, a spirit about them that is, goes contrary to the word of God. And you've allowed, as a Corinthian believer, you've welcomed in this new gospel. You've allowed the grace and the law to mix, and they do not mix. It's like that pendulum. You hear me talking about the pendulum. The true north, the true gospel Right, straight up and down, you and Jesus. There's no in-between here. But we have a tendency that false teachers to swing the pendulum one or the other. Really legalistic, back to these religious laws of the in Mosaic law and all these rituals and you have two kinds of mode. Or if that doesn't work, they just swing it to the complete the other side. You can do whatever you want to do. You can live however you want to live. You can just have free will and just God just going to love you and accept you even though you habitually are in sin and it goes against the word of God. You just think God's going to accept it. I love Jesus. But the word of God says you shall not. Ah, that's just the old. That's just the law. You're just judging me, brother. See, you see the pendulums, how Satan can swing you one way or he'll swing you the other way. But if you would just stay focused straight on and keep your eyes on Jesus and the word of God, you will not be deceived. And you will not put up with the junk that is going into the minds of the people today. And there's a, quite a bit of junk being poured out there in our day. Back in those days, can you imagine you had to, I mean, these people had to find you. you, you there was just one. It wasn't the internet back in those days, you know what I'm saying? There, the travel distance and spreading this stuff across the world didn't happen like it does today. How much more today you must protect your eyes and protect your minds of what, in the name of religion that is being poured out. It is unbelievable. Incomprehensible. I, 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 I don't even grasp it. Because people come and say, you see on the internet, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, absolutely not. Why would I even find that? Why would that even, even pop up in my, I'm not even remotely around that kinds of stuff. How did you find it? Well, I was searching. What are you searching for? I can tell you, you don't have to search. Just open up the word. Just open up the word. You don't have to go searching. Because you're opening opportunities to search and find things that actually can actually hurt you. See, Paul, in his love for the Corinthian church, was to protect them from any attacks the false teachers were bringing their way. Yet the members of the church fell for the Judaizers. They let them come in. They let them, they just, oh, I heard that conversation. It didn't sound right. I just walked away from it. Well, did you, did you, did you warn anybody? 
Did you tell them that there were someone who's having a conversation within the fellowship that was something contrary to the word of God, and you didn't say anything? Like, what do you mean by that statement? Where do you see that in the scripture? No, people put up with it because they don't want to cause any problems or frictions. Are you kidding me? It's only a matter of time that... That, that cancer will spread if you do not address the cancer. If you see a spot and you go, Corey, you've got something really on the tip of your nose that doesn't look right. Don't just sit there and not look at my nose. Tell me I have something in between my teeth. If you love me, you would tell me. Why? Because you know that I'm not going to respond. Say, how dare you point out I have that green thing between my teeth? Or that cancerous thing that's on the tip of my nose. And you know it. You would never do that because you, there's love. But the Corinthians started leaving or had left their first love. They are no longer giving a single-hearted devotion to Jesus Christ. They allowed other people or other things to start creeping into their life. See, the Jesus in the New Testament is God, Elohim. In the beginning was the Word, Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Jesus Christ of the Bible is the Creator, period. Jesus said in Himself in John 10.30, I and my Father are one, period. But what happens is they were allowing this, a, 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 someone to come in to preach another Jesus. And that happens today. Look at the Jehovah Witnesses. They preach Jesus. But their Jesus is M Michael the Archangel. A created being. That is another Jesus preached that's false teaching and you do nothing with it. Oh, they use the word Jesus, they use the word God, but that's, their Jesus is not the same Jesus in the Bible. They're preaching a different Jesus. You are not to touch it. Look at the Mormons. Old, oh, nice, sweet, loving, very polished looking men and women coming, and the Mormons will preach Jesus. They'll even say Jesus dying for their sins. They'll use words that sound really good. Family, love, this is great. Oh, did you listen to our great choir? Isn't it just inspirational? But their Jesus is not the same Jesus in the Bible. Their Jesus, they believe Jesus was the brother of Lucifer. They'll even teach that here's Jesus, here's Lucifer. They knew that the, you and I were going to go astray. There was going to be sin in, out there in the world. People, The human race was going to have sin come in. And guess what? We're going to have to uh, deal with this. And so let's come up with a plan, brother. Let's, how are we going to help dad out on this? And they teach these false how They came up and God accepted Jesus as the way. And Jesus is the way. And then Lucifer, the, the worship leader, you know, to come in and say, and, and come in rebellious and then cause the It's just false teaching. Jesus is not the brother of Lucifer. It's not Michael the archangel. If 
Any Jesus, any God conversation goes against the word of God that is a false teacher. You must address it. You must find out if they just don't know it and they got false teaching from the internet somehow or from their brothers or whatever it is. You now to share the gospel of the truth to see if they're going to receive. And you will know immediately if it's truly a false, a wolf, a false teacher, or someone who just doesn't know the truth. And you can win them to Christ. Paul gives a fatherly love a warning here to them. That yet you are listening to false teachers and you need to stop because it's going to destroy you if you don't. And so he's just lovingly sharing. First Galatians 1, 6 and 7. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him, God, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. We're going to see next week, we'll continue, that we're going to find something that's even prevalent today where people, the false teachers, are coming in and saying, you know, Paul doesn't look that impressive. Physically, he doesn't look very impressive. He doesn't have that professional, polished, blessed look by God. He's not wearing the robe. He's not wearing the suit to give the image that he should. Do you hear his voice? He doesn't have that oratorial command voice, a polished voice, that his sentence structures are perfect. His reflections, his, his, his tone is not perfect. Do you see, do you see what he's done? He's, he's, he's out here doing his own thing. He's just not here with you like I am. And we're going to see, they're going to use something that God was using to bless the people next week in their provision, actually turn that against him. But you'll have to find out next week what that is.